Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. So glad you're with us today. I am, I know I say this, uh, you know, a lot that I'm really excited, but I'm going to tell you that I am, I'm super excited, super nerdy today because I have, I'm so, I'm such a fangirl here. I have Pam Johnson Bennett on with me today, who is the world renowned cat behaviorist that's been around since 1980s. And I have her with me today. And I'm so excited, Pam. Thank you for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you letting the cats take a little bit of the dog space. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, because we have cats and I know a lot of our listeners have cats. And I have joked many times with um, with my listeners and just overall for a long time, I was 50, 51% cat and 49% dog, um, even as in the dog world. I think I'm back to 50-50 now. Uh, with loving my dogs and my cats. So I'm super excited to, to have you here and talking about that combination of dogs and cats. But tell all my listeners, because yes, they're all dog speak geeks, but I know they have those cats in there. Tell all of my listeners who you are, what you do, where you've been, and all those good things. All right. Well, you already told them I've been around since the 1980s, so they know <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> They've been old. doing the math. Uh, but uh, I am a certified cat behavior consultant through the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. I've written, I think, eight books um, on cat behavior. And I started out actually in the 70s before I actually had uh, a business as a bad cat owner. I, I <laughs> did everything wrong. And the cats, as a result, suffered for it. And I realized it's me. I've got to do something to change it. And back then, there wasn't the information that we have now. And so it was basically, I have my cats to thank, my first cats, for being very tolerant and teaching me. Uh, and now, thankfully, cat behavior is more in the forefront. But you know, and I know you agree with this with dog behavior. We've come so far, but we still have so far to go. You know, we really do. And I, and I, unfortunately, I, th I think you have so much farther to go with cats than we do with dogs. 
Um, because so many people just think, you know, cats are just, they're individuals, they're little assholes, they're little, you know, yeah. <laughs> they're, and, they're and it their seems, own little person. <laughs> it seems to be perfectly okay to call cats, you know, snobby and independent and all of those things, you know, cats seem to carry that baggage, you know, all the way from the middle ages, you know, when cats, you know, they connected cats to witchcraft and, you know, <laughs> black cats are bad luck and cats will steal the breath from babies. I mean, there's yep. just so much ridiculous baggage that cats have to drag around still. And, you know, I get those calls, you know, people who say, well, you know, we were thinking of getting a cat, but, you know, I don't know. Cause you know, I want to have a baby and is it going to steal the breath from my baby? <laughs> <laughs> Like, what century do we live in? Um, so we do have a, a long way to go. And the other thing is, if you get a dog, your neighbors will be very grateful if you go through training and obedience with that dog, right? They they want you as a neighbor to have a very well-trained dog, you know, very friendly, very sociable. You tell your neighbors that you're calling in someone to work on your cat behavior, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're moving away from these people. You you're know, the it's weird still, yeah, it's still not accepted. And I remember when I first started out, uh, when someone called me for a consultation, they said, You don't have any markings on your car, do you? Any signs or anything? Because I don't want my neighbors to know that, you know, I'm calling in a cat shrink. So that yeah. is hilarious. <laughs> That they thought that much of, yeah. I don't want people to think I'm that weird. So we do, you know, we have come a long way from there. But again, we have a long way to go because there are still many people who feel cats can't be trained. Cats are jerks. You know, cats do what they want to do anyway. And, you know, I, I've i trained both cats and dogs. You know, I have a dog, have had dogs my whole life. I think cats are easy to train. We just don't put any effort into it. You know, it's a relationship. And if you don't put anything into it, you're not getting anything out. Yeah. And, you know, and it's it's like we talk about you've got to create a communication with your dog in order to create a relationship. If there's no communication, there's no relationship. If there's no relationship, trust can't be built. And it's, it's like this like vicious little cycle. And I think that a lot of people get cats and they think you can't develop a relationship with them or they will develop a relationship of their liking. Instead of taking that initiative to say, you know what, I don't know much about you. So I'm going to get to know you, learn how to communicate what your body language looks like so that we can develop a relationship. Right. And that's what I had to do many years ago because the problem I had was I was expecting cats to do all the work and mm. I wasn't paying attention to body language, wasn't paying attention to what the cats need. And the other thing that I think, and this applies you know, to dogs as well, we seem to have this punitive approach that when an animal displays a behavior we don't like, it's a misbehavior. Therefore, we must punish that behavior or stop that behavior. So with cats, I'll get people who call and say, can you train my cat to stop scratching the furniture? Well, you know, I, we can work on not scratching the furniture, you know, and create a better solution for the cat, but we can't tr train the cat to stop scratching because scratching is a normal behavior. So it's important with animals to realize there are no misbehaviors. You know, an animal is, is displaying a behavior because it works. It is a normal behavior for the animal in that situation. We may not like the behavior, but our job is to figure out 
why does the animal need to perform that behavior? And what can I do to change it in a way that both of us are satisfied? I love that because in, you know, in that, in that short time that you and I got to talk at family pet health and I was so geeking out, um, we talked about that, about we, you know, we look at dogs and we look at kind of everything about dogs of their learning style, their environment, their genetics, their self, what do they like, what they don't like, what were they bred for? How do we help them use that? But I think that people think, well, a cat's just a cat, that there's nothing special, right? That there's right. no breed specifics that to they're cats. low, they're low maintenance. You they're know, very low maintenance. They're independent. They don't really need much. If you don't want them scratching, then do the worst thing that you know right you just the, you're just doing right you declaw anymore, them but. or if they're misbehaving we make them an outdoor cat you know we think cat, with water yeah or that you know well i don't have time for a dog so i'm going to get a cat because i yep. want to go away every weekend and we leave the cat and we don't understand why there isn't a relationship cats are not second-class citizens it should not be a replacement for a dog it should be that you get a cat because you want a cat Yes. And yes, that's, that's where cats suffer. And you mentioned something that's, that's interesting with dogs. You have all the breeds and they are bred for specific purchase purposes. You know, if you want a retriever, if you want a dog, that's, you know, a water dog, um, with cats, cats basically have one function, you know, they, they're hunters. That's what they do. But yet, we bring them in the house, which is where I think they should be indoors, okay. <laughs> um, by the way. Uh, but we don't give them anything to do with dogs. We take them out to the dog park. We take them to walk on walks. We take them on vacation with us. You know, they get all that, that energy out. They, they get that socialization. And with cats, we, we leave them in the house and we don't give them anything to do. There's no enrichment. There's no playtime. There's no opportunities for them to engage in normal, natural behaviors. And that's a lot of what I preach. And if you ever attended any of my lectures, you know, I do preach that, that cats need that enrichment. Love it. I love it. And because people need to hear this, that I've, I did not have cats growing up, but as soon as I was old enough to have my own cat, I had a cat. And I, um, one of the cats that I had, uh, I had my facility at the time. So I had doggy daycare. I had a, a storefront. I did doggy massage and some spa stuff, but I also did like group classes and agility training. And so when I got my cat, the partner I was with was allergic to cats. So I was like, well, I'll just, I'll raise the cat at my dog facility. And that was probably my first time really understanding that cats are a lot more than what people made you think they were growing up. She was so smart. She was such a pain in my butt. She would absolutely, um, I would train her. I trained her using the clicker. Um, I taught her to run agility. And cats do agility. There, there are agility. Are there really? Yes. Oh my, see, I didn't know that. I wish I'd had my video camera back in the day. So I could have been like. <laughs> you were ahead of your time. I was, because this was like in 2000, early 2000s. Um, and I thought, well, I'm just going to do it because I trained a chicken. Surely I can train yeah. a cat. And you can do agility. You don't have to go out and do competitions. You can create little agility courses in the house, you know, just cut the bottom out of a paper bag and make a tunnel, take an embroidery hoop and make a, a, a something for the cat to walk through and then keep raising it up. So eventually it's a jump. There are so many things you can do that 
I'm, I know they're just fun. It's not like it has a, you know, a really important purpose, but it, it allows the cat to use their brain. And when, anytime you allow the cat to use their brain and they're really thinking and really active and it, it's great for the relationship, you're strengthening the bond. Cats were born to work, to do something, mm-hmm. but we don't give them anything to do. Yeah. And then we wonder why they are destroying things or peeing outside the litter box or, or those type things. And, um, and, you know, and I know listeners hang in there because we are going to talk the combination of dogs and cats, but I'm also cat nerdy. So I'm going to go with this as well. Um, because I don't think if, I think so many times we just focus on the dog when it comes to a dog cat relationship. So I want people to really understand their cat because their cat needs things that they may not be getting, um, and that's why we need to make sure we're looking at our cat as an individual and saying, you know what, this is something that I need to make a point to understand my cat. Does my cat even want this dog in the house? Does my cat enjoy, I don't know, where I put their litter box, where I put their food? I think that we need to be better at thinking more about what does my cat truly need? Because, yeah, most people that get cats are like, okay, it just lays around. It'll come and let me know when it wants to be petted. Don't pet it unless it wants to be petted and, and do this. Don't do that. With my cats, I mean, I loved that cat. Um, she would go outside. She would run outside. And I, I, it was a, a business center that I had my facility. And so we had a little conditioner, air conditioner unit company at the end. And they would always keep their back garage door up. And guess what? She would always venture down there and be like, hi, what y'all doing? Um, she was always very social with that. But she would get herself into trouble during my agility class. She would escape from my back room. And she would come and run through the like shoot or the tunnel during a dog agility <laughs> class. And I'm like, you're going to die. Like, <laughs> like you're going to die. Right. But she was the happiest cat. And she was. Cause she had a job. She, yeah. she had a job to do. And, you know, with dog parents and cat parents, you know, if you, if you have both, which I think is the best of both worlds, you mm-hmm. know, I have a dog and a cat. Uh, a lot of times we're so familiar with dog body language and what the cat, what the dog needs we're not paying attention to the fact that we're not making the most of this relationship, you know, that not every dog should be with a cat. Not every cat should be, you know, with a dog. Um, just like with people, not everyone, you know, wants to live with someone else, but it's really important to watch both animals and make sure both feel safe and secure and feel as if life is very enriched for them. You know, uh, there are many times when I go into households with a dog and a cat and they think everything is fine because they, they don't see any fur flying. There's nothing going on, but the cat is basically living on top of the refrigerator. So that's a stressed out cat. So we want to make sure if you have a dog and a cat that both feel safe and both can establish a good relationship. And if that's not going to happen, you have to create an environment where they do remain safe. But because a lot of people don't really pay attention to cat body language, they think everything is fine because they don't see the fighting. But they don't pay attention to the fact that the cat is either under the bed, on top of the refrigerator, on top of the bookcase, doing everything that they can to stay away from the dog. Yeah. And see, most people, I would assume, because I know I would have thought about this, is my cat's up on the, say, fridge because they like to be high, right? They like to look over everything instead of looking at it as I need to get away from this little asshole dog. Right. And, (laughs) you know, they do like to be high. And it is important that you provide those areas of escape 
for mm-hmm. the cat. So they do have that retreat. Even if you didn't have a dog, it's cats do like to be on elevated surfaces and it does increase the cat's territory. But you have to watch, is the cat always up there? What is the cat's body language when they're up there? You know, what is the relationship between the dog and the cat? Because they really do speak different languages. You know, the dog is just, hey, let's play, you know, a new new playmate. <laughs> and the cat runs and the cat, the, the dog thinks, okay, we're playing chase. This, 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 this is good. But the cat's, you know, no, no, I don't want to do this. So what happens is it becomes this vicious cycle because the dog runs, the cat, the, I mean, the cat yep. runs, the dog chases, the dog thinks we're having fun. The cat, Great time. Yeah. So <laughs> you're, you're not doing anything for the relationship. So they have to learn each other's language. And unfortunately, the dog has to do a little more learning because the dog has to learn a little bit more about how to approach the cat and how to respect that privacy zone. So you can have dogs and cats together. You just... You have to put in equal time to both to make sure both are getting the most out of this relationship. We talk about communication a lot uh, and body language a lot with dog speak. Tell us some of the things that we should, that are a little bit more obvious for, you know, the average cat owner to look for body language. Cause for us, you know, we hear all the time the dog, yeah, he bit, but his tail was wagging. Well, I always hear is if you want to know how a cat feels, look at their tail. And the only thing that I, I know two signs of a cat tail, I know the little hook at the top, which means I think they're pleasant and they're feeling pretty good. <laughs> the little question mark on top. If the cat, if the tail is straight up and a little question mark, it usually means the cat feels comfortable and confident. Good, good. Uh, if the cat's tail is swishing, swishing that was or the only thumping other one. <laughs> or lashing, uh, that is not a happy cat. You're about to be murdered. <laughs> and also you look at things like, is the cat's posture open or closed? If the cat's all tucked in, you know, the limbs are all tucked in, the tail is wrapped around the legs uh, and, you know, the ears are in what we call airplane wing position oh. um, and and the cat's trying to be as small as invis- and invisible as possible. That's not a cat who's really open for interaction. <laughs> you know? The door is closed. <laughs> So, and the with other lock on it. And the other thing I always tell people with cats, let the cat set the pace of the interaction. If a cat feels they have choice of whether to interact or retreat, they'll feel more confident about taking those steps forward. If you don't give the cat a choice, for example, if you have the best dog in the world and you want the cat to see how great this dog is and you pick the cat up and say, here, Fluffy, look at this dog. He's so wonderful. Be friends. And of course, the cat's going to fight you on it, going to back up, going to hiss and maybe swat at the dog. Don't blame the cat for that. Because you didn't give the cat any choice. The cat, being a territorial animal and being not only a predator but prey, didn't have any time to make the assessment about, oh, my gosh, is this friend or foe? I better fight for my survival. So don't force the issue. Let the cat set the pace and watch the body language. Is it relaxed? Is it tense? Is the cat doing everything they can to kind of back away and make themselves smaller? And that's a cat who isn't ready to to go to the next phase. Yeah, see, and and I do think it it was always, you know, again, I I guess you just don't, 
in my world, I don't keep in my mind about all these kind of myths that you hear with cats because we have so many with dogs. But that growing up, yeah, is you pick up the cat and you say, hey, look. And I know that I have done absolutely everything wrong as far as bringing cats in when they introduce to each other, to my dogs. All of my Rottweilers have had their own cat. And basically it was like, this is your cat. And the cat's like, and I'm like, cat, this is your dog. And I just let them do their thing. Now, I don't think that's the best way to do it, but I I got a little spoiled. It did work. Okay. <laughs> well, I will. I'll, I'll cut you some slack. Be- way. <laughs> I'll cut you some slack because you are a professional, but the average cat parent who is not paying attention to, or I won't say not paying attention, but as not, is not as well-versed in body language may not pick up on subtle signs that are about to lead to a disaster. You know, yeah. so you, you have to make sure when you're, when you have a cat and a dog, if you are thinking about introducing them, or let's say you have a dog and you're thinking about getting a cat, you have to make sure you have the time to dedicate to this introduction. It's not something that, Hey, I've got the weekend off. Let's go get a cat and introduce it to the dog because it may take weeks for these animals to get together. They are in charge of the schedule, not you. And what is most important is the safety of both animals. And it cannot be rushed. If one animal shows aggression, it's not because that animal is bad. It's not an aggressive. I hate when people label animals and say, well, it's an aggressive cat or it's an aggressive dog. No, it's an animal who is showing aggression in a certain set of circumstances. And you have to pay attention to those circumstances. But I hate when we label. But if you are thinking about introducing a cat to to your dog, take the time to do it slowly and carefully. And take the time to learn about cats if you are unfamiliar with them. And the same thing reversed. If you have cats and you've had cats your whole life and you're thinking about introducing a dog, Take the time to learn about what dogs need, their body language, and how to do the introduction. It's worth it to spend the time up front to do a careful, positive introduction because that really increases your chances of them becoming lifelong friends. If you rush it, if you do it wrong, you'll have you'll have enemies or you'll never be able to trust them together. Yeah. Yeah. Do you advise, so I have everyone that I've, every cat I've had that I've brought into my dogs have always been kittens. Would you do the same process with an adult cat and a kitten? Because a kitten being more like, don't know really what this world's about, um, versus an older cat who's maybe had really negative associations with dogs? Yeah. I say take it on a case by case basis. Kittens are, it's a clean slate right? So it's a great opportunity. They don't have all that baggage. They don't have all those negative associations. They don't have a sense of territory yet. The bad part about a kitten is they think everyone should be their friend right away. (laughs) So that can work against you. So look at what your situation is. Do you have a dog who uh, a very, I would say if you have a very big dog, a dog that you cannot control or you have not Mm. trained well, that you don't have on voice control, uh, then a, a small kitten is is too dangerous. If you have an adult, if you're thinking of getting an adult cat, if you have the luxury to go to a shelter, you're not rescuing a cat, let's say, 
to find a cat who has had positive experiences with dogs before, then that increases your chance of success. If you have a dog and you've allowed that dog to chase squirrels and rabbits and chase anything that's small, maybe a cat is not for you in any way. You know, yeah. so you have to look at your circumstances, your situation, your your dog, so that you can make a good match. Yeah, and because it's really hard when you know. For me, I don't know what I would do as if if I had my dogs and cats didn't get along because I have three cats, two dogs. Um, I'm I'm getting a third dog here probably by the end of the year, so we'll be back to three and three. Um, I, I guess with. Not every dog needs to live with a cat. Not every cat needs to live with a dog. But I've seen how people, I do, I actually have had clients to where they have a cat and they bring a dog in and they love the dog and it's just not quite working out. And then they're like, what do you do? And so many times people tend to, not all across the board, but I feel like a lot of people tend to dismiss the cat. Yeah. Even though they had the cat longer because I think they feel like the cat doesn't have the attachment and the emotion, but I personally have seen my cats love me and I love my cats. And I've had, when we would go out of town, a couple of times I had my cats pee on my bed and we didn't know that what that was until Britt's been reading your cat versus cat book. Yay, Britt. <laughs> I'm so proud of her. Um, that he was having separation anxiety mm -hmm. from me. And I guess I was like, really? Wow. Okay. okay. It's actually, yeah. And sometimes it's actually the cat's way of saying, Hey, let's mix our scent so I can help you find your way back home, Aww. you know, or it can be a self-soothing behavior. And, you know, when you think about all the times people, you know, have punished cats for behaviors that the cat thought they were doing something good and loving, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I think, you mentioned, you know, you get, you have a cat, you get a dog, it's not working out. A lot of people tend to relinquish the cat. I see it even in cat to cat relationships. Someone has an adult oh. cat, they decide to get a kitten. The, they don't do the introduction correctly. The adult cat is not handling it well. So they get rid of the adult cat because they've already fallen in love with the kitten. And I have a, a feeling about this. Um, and I know I get, I, can get criticized for this, but it's what <laughs> I, it's, <laughs> I feel your obligation is to your immediate family. So if you have a cat and you bring in a dog or another cat, and no matter what you do, it is not working out. And I will say, talk to your veterinarian, get a referral to a behavior expert. Don't just decide it's not working and give up. You know, there are so many resources out there. But if you've exhausted everything and sometimes it is just not a good match, your obligation is to the cat that you have. And to then your obligation is also to find the right home for that dog. And the same thing if you had a dog, if you have a dog and you're thinking of adopting a cat and it's not working out, your obligation is to that dog. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I tell people, don't ever feel guilty if the, the second animal you bring in is not fitting in. It, it, that's not the end of the world. You're not a bad person to care about the welfare of the dog and the welfare of the rest of your exactly. family. Yes, I get so many people because I deal so much with inner pack aggression, especially from siblings. Uh, to where two, you know, they, they buy two puppies at a time, they raise them. Now we have them fighting issues and it gets to a point where you're like the welfare of these animals are not good. And they're stressed out and they're not happy. No, you know, your obligation then is to find the best home 
for that animal. And it doesn't mean it's your home. Right. You know, and, and when you think about it, I tell uh, clients this with cats, we're picking that pair. They're not right. picking that match. Right. So we're asking a lot of them. You know, yeah, we're having an arranged marriage. I mean, yeah, it's like- an arranged marriage that <laughs> that a lot of times ha- there hasn't been a lot of thought into it because right. adopting an animal is still very emotional. And yes. so we tend to make an emotional connection. Well, I fell in love with this dog or, you know, this cat was cowering in the back of the cage and I just can't live with that. I've got to bring that cat home, but it may not be the right match. Right. Yeah. And, you know, because we have to let go of it being about us because people give me the, well, I adopted this animal. It's my responsibility. So I'm going to do everything I can do. Well, at that point, it's becoming about you and your ego and your emotions and not considering the welfare of the animal that you do love. You can, I know you love them, but we have to look at it differently and really care about the welfare of that animal. And just sometimes it's just not going to work out. Right. And that's where... There are resources available, you know, dog trainers, dog behaviorists, there are cat behavior experts. Start with your veterinarian to get a referral and get the information so that you know you can go about this introduction the right way. Or if they've lived together for a long time and things are not working out, a professional may be able to go in there and see things that you can't and develop a behavior plan for you. But it doesn't always work. You know, I, I have people who say, well, what's your success rate? You know, and, and it's not <laughs> 100. It's not 100 percent. It can't you know, be. Because I view it as success if I recognize that this is a mm-hmm. bad match, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because people don't realize that our job and, and a lot of people say, oh, you work with dogs. You must. Oh, it must be a great job. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah well, so much fun. <laughs> yesterday I had to make a decision on a behavioral euthanasia. So not really that much fun, right? It's like we get to this point where it's, we can see beyond what the surface is and, and that emotion, it can be not so much fun to see some of these animals because you look and I go, all right, here's a dog who is lovely dog, lovely family, not a right fit. The welfare of this dog is to be rehomed. This cat's miserable. I got to tell them this. Well, they're not going to be happy with that. They wouldn't dare get rid of the cat. I mean, get rid of the dog, but they're doing it with that emotion. And then I have to go home and go, I did the best. I did the best for that dog. I said for that dog and cat, I gave them my best suggestion. And then now I have to worry and think about that, the misery of those animals. And there's not much more I can do. And that can be a little frustrating. Uh, And I think that if we can just get to where we're exposed, communicating to these owners in the beginning instead of waiting until they get those problems, right? Let's have more education. The best house calls I have are when someone calls and says, we're thinking about adopting a cat. You know, would you give us some guidance? Or we just adopted a kitten and I want to start them off right. Because in my, uh, on my side, you know, I don't get the kitten classes, you know, there's no one, I don't get many of those calls. I get the, if you don't come here tomorrow, we're euthanizing the cat calls, you know? So, uh, Mm. but I love it when people want to start off right. Yeah. And, and I, I think if we can just get people to understand that cats are just as lovely and as wonderful of pet 
as a dog. And I know that they are considered that in other countries. And I love watching these people with their cats in other countries that treat them like, to me, treat them like dogs, like we yeah, do here. They are it's beautiful. Affection. They're affectionate. We have to stop comparing them because we feel, well, a cat isn't acting like a dog. So you know, it's, it's not affectionate or it's not smart. Cats do show affection. You just have to stop comparing mm-hmm. them because, and I've said this a lot too, dogs are great at being dogs. Cats are great at being cats. Stop yeah. trying to get them, you know, to be each other, but recognize cats are affectionate. They are loyal. You know, you can train your cat to walk on a a harness and leash, mm-hmm. you know, and walk outside uh, in a safe environment. Cats, as we talked about, can do agility. It's not just dogs that can do agility. You know, cats can be therapy animals. They're, they're smart. It's they're just, so smart. if you don't put into the relationship, you're not going to, you're not letting your cat blossom. You're missing all that that cat can be. Yeah, you know, for me, when I look at, when I think about dogs and cats, I think dogs are like this surface, everything is happy, fun time, where cats are like this majestic, uh, connected to this beautiful mother earth and connected to everything that this earth has to offer. And I just think that they really are the greater species. (laughs) Sorry, dog lovers. (laughs) I have done, my work here is done. (laughs) Uh, But, you know... You look at dog. To me, dogs are like you're their traveling world, right? So, you know, with my dog, he'll go wherever I go, and he's happy as long as he's with me. You know, my cat would rather. My cat is territorial. All cats are territorial. They take comfort in their territory and familiarity. My cat, if I said, "Hey, we're going on vacation. Want to go?" My cat would say. Send me a postcard, you know, (laughs) doesn't, but I can take her if I've trained her and acclimated her to travel, being in the carrier, walking on a harness and leash, being around other people. Yes, you can do those things. The problem is we don't do it or we don't understand what the cat needs in that environment. There, there is a reason why there are no cat parks. Cats don't like those sudden (laughs) abrupt changes. You know, Uh, I also get calls where people say, well, you know, I took my cat over to my next door neighbors for a visit and they fought like crazy, you know, because you can do that a lot of times with your dog. You can take your dog Mm -hmm. over to meet the neighbor's dog and, you know, everything might be fine, but not with cats. So again, we keep comparing them and cats always lose when you do that. Yeah, it's really not fair. I mean, it's not fair. I, I do. I adore my cats. I really do. Um, I don't know squat on cat behavior, um, but I do. Rick's going to know more than you. I know. I'm like, <laughs> you do the cat thing and you tell me what I need to do because I sometimes my emotions, I, my emotions get involved with my cats um, because I think here's the, here's what I say when people ask, how do you love, why do you love cats more? Because at one point I really did. I think with dogs, dogs are like whores. If you give them a little attention, they're going to love you, right? If you if you get love from a cat, you earned that. It's real, right? To me, that's what I feel. That it's not that I'm loving you because you feed me. Because the cat's like, bitch, you don't feed me. I'll just go get my own food, right? So it's like. With cats <laughs> cats make you think yeah. a little bit more. And, and yeah. I'll say this. I'll tell on myself, okay? Um I, I, when I adopted my, the cat I have now, who is now almost 15, um, 
she was really a challenge. Like everything, you know, I would set up puzzle feeders and she would master them in no time and look at me like, that's all you got, you know? So <laughs> she made me work harder, you know, and that. really, and, but I loved it because I saw a relationship grow as I started meeting her needs and, and saw, okay, she likes this kind of a challenge. So let me create that. And then she would just thrive and, and succeed at it and blossom. And our relationship got closer and closer. So I love that. And I, and I even love it with, with dogs too. I love when animals make you think, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and that's, it's like, oh, I didn't know everything I thought I did, you know, right. and for someone like me, it's like, wow, that really bruised my ego, but <laughs> it's good for me to learn. I want to yeah. keep learning. And I love that animals don't reveal all their secrets. It's like there's, and, and I know you feel this way, no mm -hmm. matter how much you know about dog behavior and how long you've been in this business, you still learn. Absolutely. Every single day, every single day. Um, and that's why it's like, people are like, oh, you're an expert in dog behavior. No, not until I die. Right. Yeah. When I can no longer learn, then, okay. Say I died as an expert. Fine. Because that's, <laughs> that's all I had. But, you know, let's, let's help because I, like I said, I think I, a lot of our listeners have cats. What are some of the items? So with enrichment, we do talk a lot of enrichment on dog stuff. You, you know, most people play with, um, you know, a ball of foil. I'm trying to think of some of these old school things, right? Your stick with a feather at the end, um, a ball with a jingle in it. What are some of the real things that we can do for enrichment with our cats that, you know, are indoor? And I know my dog, my cats are indoor outdoor cats. And I know that's not a, a fun thing for everybody. So I get critiqued on that. They get their enrichment outside and they do hang in our yard pretty well. And they get their enrichment, um, even if it's just getting, you know, hunting little bugs in the, in the grass. But a lot of these cats, especially apartment complexes, townhomes, you know, things like right. that. You can't do in it. The, yeah, you can't and, do it. So. But you know, you're, you're mentioning something really important. The cat, your cats who are outside and hunting bugs. Okay, let's, we'll pretend that I'm okay with that. Okay. Inside, all right. <laughs> so <laughs> they are hunting in a natural way mm -hmm. in, but when we play with our indoor cats, with whether it's the interactive toy, you know, the, the stick with the feather on the end or whatever we do, we don't mimic that natural play. And that's where we go wrong because I see people dangling the toy in the cat's face. And I guarantee when the cat's outside hunting that mouse yeah. or that bug, the bug is not going up there and going, <laughs> okay, let's eat, you know? So the bug or the mouse is hiding behind something and then darting yep. across. And so the cat gets to use their brain. It's not just batting at something mindlessly. There's, there's a lot of mental strategy going on. And we don't do that with the cats indoors. So even if you play with your cat, if you're not mimicking the movement of prey to allow your cat to have that mental satisfaction, because cats are what we call ambush hunters. They are not, they don't chase a rabbit through 14 front yards. They don't have right. the lung capacity for that. They, they either stay still and wait for something to come or they silently stalk until they hear smell or see something. They're, they're sprinters. They're built for, for short distances. So they use their stealth. 
So you have to play with them that way. You have to hide the toy. You have to have it move and then stop and let the cat stalk and have successful captures. And so those are the ways it's, it's not just whether you play with your cat, it's how you do it. You know, you, yeah. the cat should not be laying on his side, sides heaving, absolutely exhausted. That's not healthy. That's not the way the cat hunts. The cat is using the brain. And that's where you get the enrichment when you're combining the physical activity with the mental activity and the satisfaction of the reward, letting the cat have the capture. And that's where I absolutely detest things like the um, laser pointer. Because the the cat never gets anything. Cats are tactile and they have carpal whiskers on their on their wrists, on their forelegs. And so when they capture prey, they're depending on those whiskers to tell them if the prey is still moving. Well, they capture the light from the laser pointer and they don't get anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I would imagine so, that would create some some mental issues. Yeah, some frustration. Plus, there are yeah. studies that show that it can create an OCD type behavior with light fixation, flickering lights. So it's not safe. Um, so what you, what you want to do is play with your cat on a regular basis. Cats like routine, familiarity, predictability. So twice a day, about 15 minutes each would be a minimum. And you should be able to invest a half an hour a day in enrichment with your cat. Um, do playtime, interactive playtime, where you are mimicking the movement of prey. Let the cat have plenty of captures, one grand capture at the end, and then either give the cat a treat or time it so that that's when the cat is getting food. Because that's what would happen after a great capture. You'd get to devour the, the prey. So those kind of things. The other thing with enrichment is the structures in your house. You know, cats like to be up high. They want to climb. They want to jump. Uh, so a cat tree, window perches, cat shelving, you can make it as elaborate and expensive as you want, or you can do something very basic. Just make sure it's sturdy. And the other thing is places to scratch, you know, mm -hmm. sizal scratching posts, or if your cat likes to scratch horizontally, corrugated cardboard scratch pads. Look at what cats need. They need to scratch. They need to play. They need safe places to sleep. They need a, a quiet, secure place to eat. And they need a clean, convenient, well-sized litter box. And that's kind of like in a nutshell, what the basic of what you should supplying be supplying your cat every day. If the litter box is too small, if it's too dirty, if you don't like cleaning it, if you have five cats in one litter box, that's not good. So, you know, enrichment isn't just about the fun things. It's also about allowing a cat to engage in natural behavior in a way that is comfortable and healthy. You know, you brought up the food. One of the complaints that we get a lot with dogs is they want, you know, how do you keep them out of the cat food? Now, I have always, I don't, because I don't know if this is wrong or right. I am a literally just a cat owner. Um, I always had people tell them people to feed cats on the schedule with the dog, but possibly giving an extra meal as well because they like to graze. Am I right or wrong or is it middle ground? Is it... A per case basis, do we keep food out for cats and let them graze all day or no. is it something we can control? I, of course, you know, I'm not a nutritionist, so you do what <laughs> your veterinarian says to do, but cats have small stomachs and out in the wild, they would attempt about 12 hunts a day. Oh, doesn't wow. mean they're going to get 12 prey, 
but they have small stomachs. And so they tend to eat small meals more frequently. And they also hunt prey that is just enough for one small meal. So typically what works best for cats is a scheduled meal. Cause again, they like routine, predictability, familiarity. Uh, so several small meals per day and however many you do would be based on your cat's age and health and, and nutritional requirements based on what your veterinarian says, but typically like three or four meals a day, you don't want to go 12 hours. That's just they, their stomach is just, they're not built for that. Uh, but several small meals per day. Um, and that may or may not work out with the schedule for the dog, but the appeal of cat food for dogs is because it's higher in fat and protein. Mm. So it's tasty. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> if your dog is nosing into the cat food, then, uh, some training needs to be done. And if all else fails, the cat needs to be fed in a separate area or behind you know, a baby gate or so that the cat can eat in peace because mealtime should be a peaceful time. We tend to want everybody eating together, all the cats, all the dogs eating together. Cats are not social eaters. So, you know, don't ask cats to eat out of one community food bowl. Don't put the food bowls right next to each other. They like a little space. That is a security issue for them. So several small meals per day. And I'm a big fan of using puzzle feeders. And you probably are with dogs, too. Yes. Um, it is great for stress relief. It is great exercise. It's great for distraction and dealing with behavior issues. But if you have a cat who is overweight or constantly crying for food, a puzzle feeder is a great way to fool the cat into thinking they're getting more food than they actually are. Uh, but they get to work for it, which is what they were hardwired for. Yeah. So I sense. love puzzle feeders. And if you just go online and search puzzle feeders for cats, there are so many for wet food, for dry food. Um, it's, it's great for enrichment. Oh, I didn't know they had for like canned food and stuff. That is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, my guys, it's funny because we do kind of feed when we feed the animals we feed, but we try to kind of give another little bit in the middle of the day with, we have three bowls and, um, and it's funny because it's like the cats come in on, on their own little routine. It's like they come in to eat and then they'll go back out and lay on the porch. And then the other one's like, okay, well she's done eating. So I guess I'll go eat. <laughs> Even though and they that, now I have separate bowls. But <laughs> and that can be that can be a status issue. You know, it might be that they've learned one cat is a little higher ranking and so the other cat may know I can't go in there till the other one is done. Uh, because there's a lot of little subtle body language things they do, especially around mealtime. So uh, that might be going on that that cat knows it's a little more peaceful to let the other cat eat first. Yeah, I think it's really important that we learn more about cat body language. So um, that's going to be on my list of things I'm going to do uh, to read a little bit more body uh, language. I don't have any problems between my cats and dogs, but I do get calls of, you know, dogs and the cats not necessarily getting along. And they tried the whole, my favorite is, well, just let the cat swat them a couple of times. <laughs> I know, right? Because then you're like, well, now the dog's going to be pissed off because you're hitting me every time. And But it also, it also teaches the cat because if the cat smacks the dog and the and dog backs away, then you've trained yep. the cat that that's the method to do. Yep, absolutely. So if you have, let's say we have uh, a dog and a cat, they've lived together fairly peaceful for a few years and um but all of a sudden maybe um something changed in the household um the one person that lived there for years moved out 
it's been a trauma. Now the dog is pissed at the cat um, and wants to chase the cat all the time or vice versa. Let's say the cat is not tolerating the play of the dog. That might be better to ask you this question. So the cat is not tolerating the playfulness of the dog, even though it has for a long time. With a, a case like that where the environment has changed and there's obviously some trauma, what are some of the things that you talk about on how we help the cat overcome and help kind of get their relationship back together? I mean, I know we can't go like deep, deep, deep dive, but some general things. Well, the first thing is, even if you're sure it's behavioral, whenever there's a change in behavior, especially if they had an established relationship, you always want to make sure you take the cat to the veterinarian to rule out any underlying medical issue. Plus, even if there was an emotional trauma, let's say somebody moved out, there's a divorce or or something happens, uh, a death in the family, that can also end up causing some kind of physical issue. You know, cats can develop urinary tract issues because of that ongoing stress. So you just want to rule that out first. Second of all, look at what are, what are the triggers? When is this happening? Is it happening? Is there a window of opportunity to work with them? Is it that the dog just isn't getting enough playtime because the person who left was the one who played with the dog all the time? Uh, Or was the cat very bonded to the person and now the cat is actually grieving like a death. So you have to identify what it is so that you can then address that specific issue. And sometimes what it means is you've got to separate them and kind of do a reintroduction sometimes. If you can't figure out what it is or there's no window, that's what I tell clients. If we have no window of opportunity, if they if they can be together much of the day, but we, you know, we can identify what causes it, then we can work with that. But if we can't identify it or when they see each other now, they just are bitter enemies, then you just have to completely separate them and reintroduce them again so that you kind of have some time to let them decompress and, and stop those negative feelings toward each other. Because if you don't do something about it, It's not as if the cat and the dog are going to look at each other and go, you know, I misjudged you. Let's just start. It's never going to happen. I'm sorry. (laughs) So if you're going down the wrong road and it's not getting any better, just stop and start over a different way. Um, But it comes down to figuring out what the trigger was. What is it that that one is needing and the other one, you know, is is aggravating? Is one misinterpreting play signals? You know, is the cat grieving and the dog is in play mode or is the dog, you know, getting too energetic because no one's playing with him enough that that play is crossing over into a little bit of of an aggressive display that the cat is misreading. So, you know, I hate to be so like not probably not helpful in the answer, but it's just, you have to figure out what the cause is so that we can address it specifically. But I will say any change in behavior, anything, whether it is the cat, the cat and the dog always got along, um, or if there's more vocalization now, or there's a change in litter box habits with the cat or change in appetite, anything is a potential red flag and don't ignore it. Because cats are great at hiding it. They are great at hiding it. But the one thing is because they are so rooted in familiarity and routine, when there's a change that if you're paying attention, sometimes that's the only signal you get. Mm 
It may, the cat may be in tremendous pain. Maybe it's an older cat who now has arthritis. And the only sign that you have that something is wrong is the cat is peeing outside of the litter box, maybe because he can't physically get into it, or maybe it's downstairs in the basement and he can't navigate those stairs anymore. So anytime there's a change in behavior, view it as a potential red flag. Go to the veterinarian first to rule out a medical problem because you wouldn't want your your animal suffering one second more than they already have. And then when that's been ruled out, then you can start to address it from a behavioral aspect. No, I think that that's a great answer because that's how we deal with things. It's like, we're always going to look at pain. I mean, pain can rewire the brain and it can be very hard, um, you know, for anyone that is suffering chronic pain. Uh, It's very, it can be very difficult. And it's, you know, with us as humans, when we have pain, we can explain it. Hey, doc, I got pain. Can you help me? Give me something for it. And for animals, it's just, you know, it might be that all of a sudden you pick your cat up now and he tries to bite you. Well, maybe he's in pain or you used to pet him. He loved being petted on the back of the neck, but now he turns around and swats you. Well, he might have arthritis in his, his neck now. So don't just label it as, oh, he's getting cranky in his old age. You know, it could be pain. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned about separating them. We do that a lot when we have interpack aggression. We say, let's separate them. Let's kind of allow that decompression to start fresh. And a lot of people right. get so afraid. They're like, well, what happens if they just, they, they get away from each other and they don't see each other and then they forget. And I'm like, it's, it's something that individually they need to kind of chill. But I think when I see this happening, I'm, I'm envisioning this happening in a dog cat household. The cat gets put upstairs and not allowed downstairs with the family at all until maybe nighttime when the dog is in the bedroom asleep. So now it feels like the cat's being punished. Right. How do you, how do you balance that of giving them equal time with the family? You, you, it's more inconvenient, but you have to, whether it means another family member takes the dog in another room and, and, you know, does a little playtime or takes the dog for a walk. The cat has to still have that established territory in that relationship. Uh, If it is safer to keep the cat in a separate room, sometimes that's the only way to do it, but it, it shouldn't be a prison cell. It means someone's got to take the responsibility of going in there on a regular basis, playing with the cat, spending time with the cat, make sure all the enrichment activities are there. You know, the, maybe the cat tree gets moved up there. Uh, some, you know, you do a catnip party twice a week for the cat. You know, don't make it a, just because the cat is physically safe doesn't mean the cat is emotionally and mentally thriving. Yeah. This has been fantastic. And I could talk to you all day. Um, <laughs> I I just I love talking with you. Please, can we do this again? Oh, we can do it anytime you want. I just I I love to geek out on behavior. Oh, okay. <laughs> you do, um, yeah. And if you guys, as dog and cat owners, listeners, if you guys have questions, shoot us some questions. So the next time we get together, I'll just throw these, um, and and we'll kind of talk about more of that inter integration um, aspect. If you're thinking about getting a cat or dog, but Obviously, we need to to really look at cats and respect them like we respect dogs and understand their individuality and their personality and the joy that they can can bring. Like to me, having my cat, my boy is probably the most lovable. 
now he wasn't, um, he comes and he curls up and he gets that little head underneath my chin and he has the biggest purr and it just melts my heart mm. more than my dog jumping up and sticking his tongue down my throat because my <laughs> mouth was open because I was yawning. <laughs> I mean, it's just a different level of love. <laughs> and I just think we need to really respect cats more and understand more. And, and I, and, and that's on me too. I haven't done that. So I'm going to put that on Brittany so that she can educate me on the cat stuff. Um, where can, where can people find you because they need you. And I know that you are so swamped and I'm so grateful you took the time out today for me. Um, but where can people find you? Uh, they can go to my website, which is horribly long. It's catbehaviorassociates.com or they can go to Instagram. I'm think like a cat there or Facebook is just Pam Johnson Bennett. I'm, I'm everywhere. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I am, I, you know, I knew about you when I started back in 1996. Um, it wasn't too long after that I had heard your name and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Another woman doing things and doing it with the cats. This is amazing. Um, and then I finally got to meet you after 26 years, something, 25 <laughs> something ridiculous at family pet health in Murfreesboro. Who'd have thunk? I literally walked by and I glanced over and I saw you and, and I almost ran into somebody. <laughs> and my, my wife was like, what is wrong with you? You made my day. You made my day because people don't have that emotional reaction. They'll be like, Oh yeah, you're the cat lady. But it was great. I, look on your face. So you're a little scared. Cause all I did was walk in. I'm like, I love you. And I mean, I didn't introduce myself. I just, <laughs> I just kind of laid it out there. Um, I'm a nerd. I can't help it. Um, I, we're going to put everything in the show notes, um, but I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed talking today. I, I really, I'm going to just go ahead and throw you some other dates out because I would love to have you back. Well, um, thank you. And I also want to thank your audience. If they don't have cats and they have endured this, uh, <laughs> I am very grateful, but maybe you have some information you can pass along to your cat owning friends. So. That's right. Share the podcast episode with all your cat friends so that when you go over, the cat's not peeing on your, you know, your purse that you sit in the floor <laughs> so they can reach out to Pam and get that all fixed. That's all I'm going with. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Uh, loved it. Guys, really check her out with or without cats. If you're thinking about getting a cat, make sure that you do your homework, everything that we preach about with dogs and really get to understand them and respect them who they are. Um, and especially if you have multiple cats, understand that they also have different personalities and they may not jive with every personality dog that you have and, and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, I would love for you to come back and let's talk more. <laughs> Because I just, I want to keep going, but I know I can't. All right. I love you guys. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of the week.